Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 55th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. We've got another great guest for you this week and Sam Connell, Director of Sales for the Travis City Pit Spitters, member of the North Woods League. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. Please help grow the podcast by sharing it on social media, telling your friends about it, and by leaving a rating or comment on Apple Podcasts, even though you can listen to the podcast pretty much anywhere. If you leave a comment, you might just hear it on the show. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at It's R-A-Coon. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. That way you won't miss out on any news about the Pulling Tart Podcast. Can't wait to chat with Sam Connell right after this break. Was Jim Jarecki your boss? In- yeah, man. Yeah. I got a funny story about how I met Jarecki. Um, so he was our GM. So yeah. he, Jimbo's the GM. Chad Sand was, was the director of ticket sales. He, he was my direct boss. Um, but Jim and I, his kids went to my high school. Like he, it's a, They're a lot younger than me, but he's tied in with that whole same school system. And I used to, when I was in college, I repped basketball in that system. So Okay. It was the, the Grand Rapids Catholic School League, essentially, is what it was. Okay. Um, so I was refing basketball there, and I was refing one of Jim's daughters. I didn't know who Jim was, didn't know any of this, and I made just an awful call. I mean, <laughs> one of the worst calls I made in my refing career, and Jim let me hear it, man. He just ripped into me, yelling at me, and and I'm, you know, I mean, I'm a 20, at that point, I was a 21-year-old kid. Um, right. And so... I've been reffing for four or five years. I was like, I, I mean, I can hold my own here, but geez, man, like this is, this is terrible. This dude's ripping into me. So I went over to him at like the next time I go, Hey man, I missed that call. I get it. There's a reason we have makeup calls. I'll get you back, but yeah, stop yelling at me. Just, <laughs> just let it slide. And so a couple days later, I also worked at Dick Sporting Goods. I was a shoe salesman there for a few years in college. And in comes Jarecki. He comes walking in, and I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, are you here to – I go up to him, and go, are you shitting me? Are you here to give me more than, like, you did the other night? And he starts laughing, and we just start, you know, talking back and forth. He goes, so what do you want to do? And I was like, I, I want to work in baseball. I think that's – you know, I want to work in minor league baseball. He goes, oh, I'm the GM of the Whitecaps. Here's my card. And he and I made a connection then, and wow. he's kind of how I ended up in Fort Wayne because he and, and Nutter are, like, really good buddies. Yeah. So – he was. I told him, hey, I got this internship offer in Fort Wayne. I don't know if I should take it. He said, absolutely take it. Go to Fort Wayne, do it. So I owe so much of where I am in my career 
to Jim Jarecki. I mean, from getting, you know, convincing me to go to Fort Wayne to helping me get to Peoria to helping me in Wisconsin to, you know, really saying, Hey, you guys should get Sam up in Traverse city and everything in between. You know, yeah. Jimbo has been a, uh, a catalyst in, in my career. I only know him. Like I've only met him at like Midwest league all-star games and stuff like that. And I know that he worked for Beloit before, <laughs> before he went to West Michigan. Like, Yep. You know, when he was in his early 20s, I know that much. Um, and, I, you know, I've had a few conversations with him here and there, but, you know, nothing major, of course. So. I may be a little biased, but I, I got to say Jim Direct is probably one of the, the nicest, most genuine people I've met in this industry. Yeah. Now, he's terrifying if you're late <laughs> for a tarp or right. you mess up the tarp or something like that. But as long as you get on his good side, it's, it's it's a beautiful thing, man. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, I'm sure we know, and, and I'm sure it'll come up in, in this conversation, we know a lot of the same people, especially in the Midwest League, for sure. Oh, man, Midwest League is, it, it, it's a beautiful thing, man. You, know, you go to these all-star games, you go to the meetings, whatever. You know, I really, so as a Whitecap staff, we go to the all-star game. We went when it was... I think the first one we went to was in Midland with the Loons in 2017, okay. 16, something like that. Um, and then we went again when it was in Lansing the next year. So we would go when it was in Michigan. We could take a bus trip there and back, which was essentially just a giant booze cruise with everybody on a bus. Oh, yeah. Um, it was just a mess by the time we got there. I got plenty of stories about that. We lost one of our staff members. She ended up on Lansing's bus ah. when we went to Midland. She just got drunk. I had no idea where she was. We get a call from someone on the Lansing bus, and they're like, you guys got a Katie that you're missing? We're like, yeah. They're like, all right, cool. She's on our bus. We're, we'll take her to the after party. Wow. Um, but, and then, like, when I moved to Wisconsin, the Timber Rattlers, I know, you know, Seth mentioned this a little bit in, in his interview, but they take everybody, man. Hey, anyone yeah. who wants to go to the All-Star game, let's do it. Let's make it happen. They were taking so, interns. Yeah. Dude, it, I mean, it's everybody. Like, Rob just sends out an email, like, the month before the all-star game is like who wants to go here's where it's at like we'll work out hotel rooms and carpools and whatever yeah um so before it was 2019 all-star game it was in south bend he sent out the email hey who wants to go and everybody i mean maybe like six people on staff didn't go um but then he sends out the itinerary and he goes hey on sunday there's a a pitbull concert like they're doing a concert as like opening festivities for all-star weekend and each team in the league gets four tickets. Does anybody want to go? So like me, um, a couple other guys in the ticket department and then Ryan Cuniff, you know, the, the <laughs> character that he is. I know Ryan Cuniff. <laughs> Everyone in the Midwest league knows Cuniff, man. Yeah. That dude is, is, is infamous. So we're like, yeah, we'll go. We'll, we'll go to the concert. So we go down there. Check into the hotel early. We get VIP passes, so we're in like this little on-field VIP area. Just free booze, free food. I mean, it was it was awesome. Um, and we're sitting there, and this was supposed to be Pitbull's the headliner. The Ying Yang Twins were supposed to open, and then some girl named like Leah Janae or something like that was the opener. Okay. No idea who she was. She came out. She sang like she did like thirty minutes, and we we're all just like. We don't know who this is. And then they're like, oh, give it up for the Yin Yang Twins. And one guy comes out. And I looked at the people around me and I'm like, 
Isn't there supposed to be two? I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure there's two guys here. Yeah. There's supposed to be two of them. And I keep waiting for someone else to pop out. And like halfway through the set, I mean, he's playing the hits. He's doing all the yin yang twin songs. But he's like, my brother couldn't be here because his friend got shot. And I'm just like, all right. So that's, all right, that's crazy. So we had one yin yang twin. So we had 50% of the yin yang twins performing in this concert. And then right after that guy gets done, Andrew Berlin, the owner of the South Bank Cubs, walks out. And I'm standing there with a few other folks from the league, and I'm like, guys, this isn't good. There's no reason he comes out here directly after that. He would come out here after like 10 minutes to announce Pitbull. He should not be out here right now. Yeah. And he's like, Pitbull's not coming. He, he, he couldn't make his flight. There's bad weather over North Carolina or something, so he's not flying up here from Miami. Wow. And we're all just like, so like at that point, Conniff looks at me, and he's like, get to the beer before they shut it down. And we like sprint over and we just like go up to the bar to like, give us like three or four, whatever. And we just like yeah. grab a bunch of these beers and we just go set them down. And like other people in the VIP area from the league are coming over. We're like, here, take one, take one. And we keep going up and grabbing more beers. Cause we're like, they won't shut us down as long as we keep drinking. They, they won't shut it down here. Wow. And like 20 minutes later, they come through like, everyone's got to get out of here. You guys got to leave. And so in a concert where we were supposed to see Pitbull and the Ying Yang twins, we saw like 33% of the people that we were promised to see. Sam, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast, uh, taking the time out of your Saturday evening. Um, I really appreciate it, and you volunteered to come on, which I super appreciate. Um, how ready is Traverse City? Is this going to be your second full season? I, I call it our second real season. Okay. Uh, we had 2019 was, was the inaugural year here. First year that we took over ownership of the organization, and uh, great year. We're able to win the, the championship, and then uh, 2020 was very odd. We had we created a, a three-team pod so that we could play our league. The Northwoods League is very open to everything. They're like, hey, do what right. you got to do to play, make it work. Um, so we had three teams. We had the Pittsbitters created two new teams, had a bunch of guys living at a summer camp to, to come here yeah. and, and play more or less. And uh, so, so 2021 is going to be our second season where the team is traveling. We're playing teams from throughout the Northwoods League. And uh, it's something that, you know, this past summer we worked every single day. We had games every day. It's kind of how we scheduled it. Okay. Um, so this will be a time where we actually get some off time and get to get to enjoy some time at home and have, you know, six-game homestands and, and stuff like that, like normal baseball. Nice, nice. Um, so you're the director of sales, and I – any um everybody that works in minor league baseball dabbles in sales um and so have i and i always like to ask people uh what the number one secret to sales is absolutely man yeah uh yeah you always got to be selling especially in this industry Mm -hmm. um we're a small organization there's only nine of us so i I literally preach that like every staff meeting that everyone has to sell what we're doing right um my number one thing to sales is it's just all about relationship building. Mm-hmm. It's about building that relationship with your clients, whatever, whether it's 
a $10,000 sponsorship package or a $50, you know, flex package for, for season tickets. Um, that relationship is going to help grow the organization. It's going to make us a little bit more reputable within the community. And it's going to make it easier that when we're making these renewal calls, people aren't going, oh, shit, it's Sam from the Pittsfitters calling me. They're saying, oh, awesome, it's Sam from the Pittsfitters. Right. Need a call. Let, let's chat with him for a little bit. So it's, it's always about building those relationships. And to do that, you got to do what's right by the client, do what's right by the people that you're working with. Um, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this plenty of times before, and I'm sure you know it, but I could easily sell something that I think is going to work best for them, mm -hmm. but I need to listen to them and know what's going to work well for them in, in order to make this relationship successful from, uh, from both sides for us. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's about, um, finding the right fit for for that company or person and then also you know establishing that relationship um and you you want them to to trust you and to for you to feel like a friend to them you know um Absolutely. not not just like hey um your budget is this amount well we have an outfield sign that would work great and you know that's not really you know going to that's not the best fit for them so Right. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to just throw something out at somebody and basically have them say, no, we're not going to do this. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, a lot of times when I go into meetings with people, I always tell them, hey, I come in here without ideas. I want to talk to you. I want to learn what you want to do, what you can do, and I can build something around that. Right. That's not to say that if I'm talking to an eye doctor, I'm not thinking, I really want these people to sponsor our umpires. I think that'd be a hilarious little tie-in or mm -hmm. something like that. Sure. Um, but I want to try to steer the conversation that way. And Again, you know, as you build that relationship and that reputation with them, then they're going to trust what you can say even more. And you can throw, hey, I think an outfield billboard is where you guys need to go next. Right. And they might be able to work that into the budget, you know, year two, three, four of a, of a partnership. Sure, sure. Um, so what is the best sale that you've ever made? Not necessarily the biggest, but would, what you would say as the best. <sighs> the best that I would ever make now, now this, I will say, I probably got a couple of them. The one here though, this is probably actually ended up being one of the bigger ones that I made. And it was just something that it all kind of worked out. Uh, it was my last year in West Michigan with the Whitecaps. It was 2018. I was, I want to say I was like $1,500 away from hitting my sales goal. I mean, I could okay. smell it, man. I was Ooh. close. And, uh, I called this company and I was like, all right, if I can get like three or four, like 20 to 40 person outings, I got this goal. So I'm just going to call, and if I, you know, it's in like mid-July. I just got to try to get this goal. I just want to hit it, and I'll be good. Right. Um, and so I call this company, and I end up talking like their head of HR, and I'm just trying to say, you know, hey, what about like an HR department outing or something like this? And she said, well, you know, our company picnic actually just got canceled. Uh, we, we were going to do something at a park here in town, and uh, we, we're not able to do that anymore. Um can you do something for like 650 people at the ballpark? And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah you know what? Sure I think can. I can make that work. And, and the, over the course of like a week, like the 650 person outing just kind of came together. So that would be one that was like the biggest and it was, it was fantastic. But um, from a best sales standpoint, you know, something that I almost feel closer to, to my heart and something I'm excited about. I, I mean, I, I got to think it's the first sale that you make, man. I mean, it was uh, it was actually in West Michigan my first year there, 2015. 
and uh, the first sale that I ever made there was this. It was this office supply company. They had about fifty employees. I was able to talk them into doing a whole family outing with a deck and everything along those lines. So it uh, it, it kind of grew from hey, we're only going to do our employees to hey, let's do a party deck, let's do food, let's add on a drink package, bring out the families, and, and make this thing a, a little bit bigger. And um, yeah, it was one of those weird moments where I was just like just kind of going and just word vomiting as mm-hmm. I was on the phone because I still was very new into the sales game right? and and ended up making the sale to the point where I had to look at the guy sitting next to me and go, this is awesome, man. How the hell do I enter this? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, I mean, those are always the best is like when you kind of just stumble into it. Like, I mean, when you move from place to place, it's, you know, sales is sales. I mean, whether you're selling insurance or you're selling sponsorships or group outings or whatever, you know, sales of sales, but like, you know, it's amazing. Like the difference, like between what one team or company, like how they preach how to do their sales and the different computer systems and CRM systems and all that stuff, like that stuff changes like crazy, you know? And, and that's the biggest learning curve when you start at these places. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with four different ticketing systems and CRM systems. And it's just trying to learn that when you get to some of these places, which is, you know, I, I can sell whatever, give me the sell sheets. Let me know what I got to do. Right. But trying to figure out just how to enter the order is a whole different monster in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. What is the biggest difference in working for a college wood bat league team rather than an affiliated team? That. I mean, it's such a cool difference here, but I think it's the freedom along with the accessibility, you know? Yeah. Affiliated ball, it's their job. These guys are showing up there, they're getting a paycheck, and their goal is to make it to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, you get you get some guys, and I'm sure you've seen it, where some of them are a little bit more big league than their level, you know, at a, at a oh, single yeah. level where I work. You know, they think they should be up higher. Hey, man, I got a $4.5 million signing bonus. What am I doing? Yep. You know, shooting these little promo videos or doing something like that. Um, but then you also get guys in the, in the minor league level that are all about the experience and what they're doing, which is great. Um, but at this college level, man, these guys are here to have fun for the summer. This Mm -hmm. is still just summer ball. They're, they're coming out and and Traverse city, we're a, we're a beach town. We're a tourist destination. So if you're a 21 year old kid, why would you not want to go hang out in a beach town for the summer and play baseball? So they'll get out there, they'll do dances on the field that we ask them to do they'll participate in on-field contests they're coming up to us going hey can i get in the bubbles tonight and do bubble brawl <laughs> we we don't let that happen a lot of their schools probably wouldn't be big on that but sure. dizzy bat race or you know we had a, a game once where it was delayed a little bit one of the light stacks went out and we had the, the team compete in tug of war with like 30 kids from the ballpark nice that was 2019 that was that was before covid so right social distancing didn't exist apparently at that point but mm-hmm. uh i mean the guys are the guys are down to do do whatever and they're very accessible and they're they're there to have fun they're there to, to just goof around so we have a lot more freedom with what we can do with those guys we're not dealing with agents or affiliates or big league clubs or you know a, a roving instructor who is sitting there watching going i don't want these guys doing this kind of stuff yeah i mean i remember going to the madison mallards games and I would just sit there and I'd be like, well, this is, this is like 
a carnival, but there's baseball in the middle of it. And, like, the freedom that they had, you know, I was just like, you know, we could never get away with that. We could never get away with that. You know, like, all that stuff. And and their, um, you know, like, their player amenities weren't nice, you know. But, I mean, it was Madison in the summertime. Like, of course guys want to want to go there and Absolutely. and play on a on a crappy field um <laughs> but yeah like you like you said i think it's just like them having fun for the summer you know Oh, absolutely. And that, I mean, Madison's all about the duck blind, man. You just yeah. got to go out to that deck area, and they got the, the all-inclusive stuff. I mean, I've never been, but I've just heard the stories. But yeah. Madison is, is one of those top-level teams in our league that really knows how to do it right, and that's, I think, something that a lot of people kind of aspire to be um, at, at some level. I mean, selling out all the games and, and being as successful as Madison is. You don't do that without doing something right. Right, of course. Um, did you, so you said you listened to Austin's episode and he started off in his baseball career as a beer mover for the, for the Madison Mallards. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. And that's, that just goes to show you how good of an organization Madison is. And I know Austin's going to listen to this. So, you know, you go from being a beer mover with the Mallards to the GM of Danville insert team name here yeah. on March 16th. That's, that's my quick plug as the Michigan ambassador. I know you're Delaware Ooh, ambassador. So yep. we gotta, we gotta represent here for, uh, for Danville baseball. Um, Hell but yeah. yeah, I mean, being able to just be involved in, a, in an organization like that is going to rub off on you no matter what level that you're at. And that's what I'm trying to push to our staff here is we need to, I don't want us to be Madison. You can't ever try to copy what someone's doing. Mm-hmm but we need to create a very similar experience for our fans that come out here, you know, as we head into, into year three here in Trevor City. Yeah. Um, so I know that you're from Michigan, but you also worked for the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, the Peoria Chiefs, the West Michigan Whitecaps, and the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Um, we've probably met at some Midwest League All-Star games. I'm, I'm probably going to... I mean... Let's just assume that I don't remember. Um, needless oh, to, I don't don't yeah, those those <laughs> those um, you know Midwest League All Star breaks are kind of a blur, to be honest. But what made you want to settle down in Traverse City? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, first of all, I'm sure that I've run into you somewhere. I feel like you know everyone in the Midwest League knows each other. It's a six degrees of separation, but yeah. it's like two degrees. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure we've run into each other somewhere, most likely at a bar, most likely after having a couple, you know, we sure. everything is done responsibly. Yep. Um, but coming to Traverse City, you know, the, the biggest thing for me was being a part of something new here. Uh, there's been baseball in Traverse City before for 15 years before we took over ownership. There was an independent Frontier League team here. Okay. Um, and I wasn't here for that, but... Were they called the Beach Bums? Beach Bums, yes, yeah. the Traverse City Beach Bums. Um, their owners were hotel people, hoteliers. Uh, they, okay. they ran hotels in town. If you come to our ballpark, it looks a hell of a lot like a hotel. Um, hmm. They know hotels, they know hospitality, they didn't quite know baseball. Right. Um, and the way they did things isn't quite up to the standards that we would set for ourselves. So being able to come here and almost rewrite history from a, from a standpoint in Traverse City, you know, not only that, but talking to our general manager, who, who 
Mickey Graham. He was with the Whitecaps for 20 years. Um, I knew him very well from my time there. He was telling me about all these things that we're doing here, what we're doing in the community, the ways that we're, we're looking to make an impact here beyond just the baseball, but with the experience. You know, our stadium seats 5,500 people for a baseball game. It's got an all-turf field. So there's so many possibilities of things that we can do here outside of just baseball, you know, and that was something that was very exciting for me. Mm-hmm. My wife and I both also being from, from Michigan here, having been up to Traverse City to vacation and visit, again, being a tourist town, just, and, and no disrespect again to Austin and, and Danville, but the cutest town, man. I mean, this, this place <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> and uh, so be, being able to, to be here and uh, be a part of what we're trying to build was very enticing to me, you know, and I'm sure you talk to anybody in baseball, everybody wants to be at the start of something. You mm-hmm. see the people that help build a new stadium or rebrand a team or, or start something from the ground up. And it, there's that sense of pride and that sense of ownership. And so being able to come here, you know, in the fall of 2019, as we were getting prepared for the 2020 season to really start to ramp up what we were doing pre COVID, of course, mm-hmm. um, what was, was awesome for me. It was very exciting and, uh, you know, my wife also likes being close to the beach and, uh, and I can't, you know, make all the decisions. I, I got to check with the boss on that one, you know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, I, I live about 20 minutes away from, from the beach now. Um, so I get it. Um, my wife's born and raised here in Delaware, so yeah. I get it. Yeah. But, and our apartment when we first moved here was five minutes down the hill and we're at Grand Traverse Bay. I mean, it was, it, it's nice, a beautiful place. It, it's picturesque. And uh, then it gets crowded with tourists during the summer. It sure. is. So I, you know, I'll, I'll complain about traffic, but all those tourists are, are opportunities for us to get more people out to our ballpark. So I, I can't be too mad about it. Absolutely. And uh, I was going to ask, you said that you have an all-turf field. Speaking as a ex-college player, how do you feel about an, on-turf, like an all-turf field? As someone who played in college and pitched in college, I hate it. Um, just I never could get like, – we played on some turf fields in our conference, and I could never get my footing right on a mound. I always felt like I was going to slip. Some of the uh, the turf managers that you get at some of these schools uh, would be very uptight about wearing metal spikes, and I didn't have any molded ones, so I'd go out and pitch one game wearing my turf shoes. Oh, okay. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to slip. I'm not doing this. Um, so as a player, I was always – much more apt to want to throw on a clay mound. Yeah. But being here on the Pulling Tarp podcast, we don't pull tarp with a turf field. Our field oh. drains in about 15 minutes. Really? So, yeah, it okay. is. It's amazing. We cover the mound. We cover the plate with, you know, smaller tarps. But that's like a two, three-person job. So right. we could get a downpour, you know, 705 game. We could get a downpour till 645 and still be ready to start at 705. That's Okay, I all right. So I because guess I buried the lead on what led me to Traverse City, I think that was a, a, a really big pull is uh, not having to to roll that tarp out anymore. Hey, <laughs> I mean that would do it for me too. Honestly, um, I I don't miss pulling tarp really at all. Um, there there was at one point during quarantine, I was like, you know what, like I could I could go for a good tarp pull right now, but. No. I, I had the same thing, man. I texted folks down and down with the Whitecaps. I was like, "Hey, if you guys start up again, you know, let me know. I'll come down and roll out that tarp one time just to 
yeah, shake the rust off. I think it's it's something you got to try to do every yeah. once in a while, or yeah, you might lose it. I don't, right. I don't know. Right. Um, yeah, because Beloit's new stadium is going to have a turf field, so that's I was wondering about about you know how players feel about it and you know that kind of stuff. But okay, that makes it's sense. True so. bounces. I mean, the, the bounce is a whole lot easier, and you know, from a Midwest standpoint. You know, I mean, you don't got to shovel that field, man. That's, right. that's fantastic. We went out the other day. It's we got a stretch of forty degree weather here in northern Michigan, which is uh, unseasonably warm mm-hmm. for uh, for this time of year for us. After two weeks ago, it was negatives. Um, so we went out and we shoveled like three or four spots on the field, and it's already starting to melt away just with that sun beating down on those rubber okay. pellets and the turf. So it's a it's a scientific wonder. Nice, I like it. So, your team, so the Pit Spitters are owned by the West Michigan Whitecaps, which is kind of a theme, not, I mean, I, I only know other one other team in the Northwoods League that's owned by um, an affiliated team, which is the Fond du Lac Dock Spiders, um, which you also work for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers who own them, so what's it like working for a team that's owned by the West Michigan Whitecaps, who you also work for. I mean, it felt like coming home. It, it's awesome, man. I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of collaboration between us. Like I said, we're a smaller staff. There's nine of us full time. Okay. Um, so from a sales standpoint, I'm able to lean on some guys in in Grand Rapids with the Whitecaps from an ad sales standpoint for some of the the larger what I call crossover accounts, sure. like a DTE Energy or a Meyer or some of these these bigger sponsors that have long-standing relationships with with the Whitecaps who are going into their 28th season or something like yeah. that this year. So a very successful organization and being able to almost lean on them a little bit for help of, you know, hey, what what should we do here? What can we do? Can you help us out with these sales prospects or, or what we're trying to do? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, just being able to have communication with those people that I worked with for four years, you know, it was uh, some of the best times of my life. I had a blast there. So being in open co- you know, communication and uh, in contact with those folks is, is fantastic. Um, yeah. And I really, there, there's not a whole lot of downsides. Our owners are in Grand Rapids, talk to them all the time. They're uh, they got a vacation place up here. So we see them plenty. And uh, you know, it's really kind of cool to be tied in with them Uh it, it broke my heart with everything that happened this past year with no season. You know, mm-hmm. You're still in it with them. Right. Um, but being able to, to be a part of the organization still while doing the stuff we're doing up here in Traverse City is kind of a cool uh, cool little trade-off. Nice, nice. It, sound, it sounds like a great partnership, honestly. Um, do you have any stories from working with former Pulling Tart podcast guests, Seth Merrill, Nathan Beliva, and now that I think about it, Mitch Hooten. Um, so, so tell me some stories about about those guys. Oh man, we got all three of those guys. All right, so Beliva was uh, would, would be the first one I met in, in that chronological order. There, uh, he, uh, with me being new in Peoria, we actually had a lot of staff turnover shortly before I started there. The entire ticket staff pretty much left. Um, so we started from the bottom with me. Um, a couple other folks in the in the ticket department came in from from Memphis with the Redbirds, along with our then VP of ticket sales. Now he's a GM, Jason Mott. 
Um, so there was only a few of us in the office at the time. It was me, box office manager, like the, a couple marketing folks, and then uh, Rocky, our president, and then Nate. And Nate found out I was a Cubs fan, and he found out I was a Notre Dame fan, and I really got on <laughs> his bad side quick. Uh, he, he does not like Notre Dame. He does not like the Chicago Cubs. No. We, we butted heads on those things quite a bit. I feel like at least weekly, he'd ask me why Notre Dame's not in the conference, and I'm like, I didn't make this decision yeah. uh, from a football standpoint. Uh, I, I blame the University of Michigan. I blame their old AD. He didn't want them in. That, that's kind of the story of how that goes. But uh, So that, that's kind of my, my the biggest interactions I had with Nate. But over time, you know, when I moved to West Michigan and Peoria would come to town, catching up with him phenomenal dude yes yeah. he, he still holds that over my head that i root for teams that he doesn't approve of but yeah that, that's what it is um seth you know i spent a year in uh, in wisconsin with seth like you mentioned you know you talk about the midwest league all-star games things get blurry i know yep. we were out i know we were at uh, some of the after parties you know there was there was one in south bend the year i worked in wisconsin there was the saint joe river runs right through downtown south bend and like this banquet hall built a platform out in the middle of the river. And yeah. so there was a magic show and there was <laughs> drinks and people walking around with appetizers. And Seth and I were out, you know, hanging out drinking. And, and I don't really remember too much of it. I know he was there. I know we were there together. Um, but Seth really, when I got to Wisconsin was probably one of the first people to, uh, to kind of be welcoming and, you know, help me out. Uh, he had a role. I, I went in there as a director of ticketing. Seth handled a lot of that stuff before he moved over to the advertising sales side of it. So he was able to kind of help me out with the reporting side of how he used to do things and, and, and tracking and different things like that. So he was really helpful, you know, especially early on, get me into it. And Seth was also, uh, I don't know if it was official in, in his job description, but he was always the guy that would set up like staff outings. So like my second week there, um, the whole staff got together. The Packers were playing Thursday night football and we went to a bar, uh, kind of down there where, where Seth lived and, uh, he rented out, he, he booked out this upper room there for the staff and we went out and we had some drinks and some pizza and hung out and nice. that was really able to kind of help me get more immersed in that staff and be, and feel more a part of it. So that was a really cool experience to, to kind of be a part of that so early on and have them welcome me. So I, I, I thank Seth a lot for that one. Yeah. Um, and then Mitch Hooten, uh, <laughs> what, what, what to say about Mitch Hooten that other people haven't muttered under their breath, uh, during a tarpaul. Um, my yes. first experience with Mitch was not a kind one. Uh, we just got done pulling tarp. Um, I was down there barefoot cause it was just like, rain just got done, get down here, go. I didn't have time to put on any other shoes. I just kicked my shoes off and went, down there uh so he, he always tells you not to run home. on the field barefoot i know yeah. i know that's bad but i was just like we're, so like three or four of us went down there barefoot mitch wasn't having that he was yeah. pissed shouldn't have been down there barefoot and then uh we walked across the tarp once we got it Ooh. once we got it rolled up there's the tarp mm. over home plate we walked yep. across that and mitch just starts yelling at us mm-hmm. and i'm you know he's this new groundskeeper who he's in there I knew he was grizzled because he worked in Beloit, so you got to be tough to <laughs> be a groundskeeper in Beloit, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this dude is terrifying. First of all, who the hell does he think he is just coming in here like this? But also, I think he might kill somebody. Yeah, It, it was a terrifying <laughs> thing when, uh, when that first happened. But Mitch, 
I was able to break him down. Me and a couple other guys were really able to break him down. So, like, we did a thing in West Michigan uh, for a few years that we called Intern Olympics. So we would, nice. on a non-game day during the summer, close the office at noon, cook up some food, and then, you know, have a few drinks. And then we'd have the interns compete in a bunch of random contests. That's awesome. It, it's wild, and I'm happy to talk more about what yes. we did. Um, but Mitch, you know, our old groundskeeper before Mitch, I, I kept him in the loop on stuff, and he was cool with it. So then when we get Mitch here, people like saying, you got to go talk to Mitch about, you got to go through a run-through of, like, what the events are and what mm-hmm. we're going to be doing on the field. And so it was, uh, I think it was, like, after a game one night, Mitch, I went out to the grounds barn. Mitch was having a couple beers. And I was, like, sitting down with him. I was like, hey, are you feeling all right right now? He's like, yeah, I'm good. So, all right, cool. I need to talk to you about a lot of this stuff. And we kind of run <laughs> through it. And Mitch, at that point, it was, like, 11 o'clock at night. He was two beers deep. He goes, yeah, man, whatever. Just don't ruin the field. I said, nope, we won't. We'll be good. Cool. And I just was like, I'm, I'm going to take that. I'm out of here. We're, we're going to do that. <laughs> uh, that sounds like Mitch. Man. Um so we're we're gonna dive back into um the intern Olympics. Um, Absolutely. My my run-ins with Nate Nathan Beliva, um, man, um, they weren't pleasant because so I was the media person in Beloit, um, which yeah, um, so which. I was not, I was in no way, shape, or form a play-by-play announcer. I was the PA announcer, um, and I scheduled everybody that worked in the press box, um, and, you know, when Nathan would come, he he would be in the press box, um, and the Midwest League did away with the rule for um, the official scores, taking the box scores to the coaches, and so, by default, that left me to take the box scores to the coaches. And I am, you know, I would never volunteer myself to be an official scorer because I'm just, I'm not that guy. I, you know, I don't, I didn't play the game like you did, um, you know, you know, all this stuff. So, um, I made some changes because the manager had asked me to one manager or the other I don't remember I'm sure it was the home one now that I'm thinking about it um and it wasn't going to be a huge outcome you know you know it wasn't going to sway the statistics one way or another a huge amount um and Nathan came back the next day and ripped me and the manager a new one on air like just was was like you know what like I, I he said something about like oh that call I would bet that that that, that gets changed by by Fran and the people here in Beloit and I was just like Jeez. I was just like man dude like I have to I have to deal with him you know like I get it you travel with the team and all that stuff but like this isn't going to sway the season one way or the other here you know I I was like I only deal with with um the home manager like that and that's it like when they're home so like i gotta i gotta make him happy here and and so that but like ever since then like when i see him like like we're we're cool and everything like that um stories with seth are blurry i i mean like you said um and they're 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 often with with ryan conniff of course um which just adds to the blurriness (laughs) Um, but yes, working with Mitch, um, 
it was it was a little intimidating at first. Um, the the guys um, that were before him and Beloit were were you know good time Charlies, and not to say that Mitch wasn't because because once you broke that barrier, he was. Um, uh, one of the guys um, that was before him, he's now the assistant groundskeeper for Oakland now. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. But so and and I had great relationship with him and and Mitch came in and he was a bit of a hard ass like you explained um and I actually had the job of going to Mitch and you know running down through everything like this is what's happening this homestand um blah 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 blah. and he was just like all right if we have to you know that kind of Mitch is the kind of groundskeeper that if if you didn't have to I don't think he'd want you to play baseball on the field Oh, I've worked with plenty of those ones. Yeah. Keith Winter in Fort Wayne is the same way. If it's like, do you really got to step on the field? You know, can you can you play baseball without touching this? This is perfect right now. Right. What you've done is, is perfect. Don't don't step on this. Yeah. Um, but I was um at the time extremely single. Um and Mitch's wife had not moved to Beloit yet. So okay. We went out on the town a bunch. We went to a bunch of hockey games, um, and and you know, like we were we were pretty good buds, you know. And then of course he left to go to West Michigan. I can't believe I can't remember if I left first to go to Delmarva or if he left to go to West Michigan first. It it all happened within the within like a month. Um, so, but yeah, he was, he was one of the very first guests on this podcast, actually. And believe it or not, he said more than about five words. So, <laughs> I mean, he, he had to have had two or three beers before he hopped on here then, man. That, he's, he's a man of few words. Uh, but when he says them, you know, you, you gotta listen, you'll listen up. But, yeah. Yeah. Mitch Hooten is, uh, is one of those guys. You get him on your side. He's, uh, I'm sure he wouldn't like me saying this, but he's a sweetheart. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, I was able to learn that. <laughs> From so a guy I worked with in Fort Wayne, shout out Jake Sperry. He is the assistant groundskeeper down there. He was he came in my first year or my intern year there. So and Jake's from Michigan. He and I hit it off real quick. Um, and then when I or when Mitch started in West Michigan, Jake texted me and was like, "Hey, you got my buddy working there." And after a couple of weeks, I was like, "Dude, what's this guy's deal?" And he said, "Just keep being nice to him. Mm-hmm. He's a sweetheart." You're, you're, he's going to learn to love you, man. You yeah. just got to keep bugging him, and eventually he's going to break down and just be your friend. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll make that happen. Yeah. Um, did you – so I'm sure he's softened up a little bit now because he's the father – does he have two or three girls now? Three. Three, three, three girls. So um, the first one was born in Beloit. And Bruce, right, Maddie. They yeah, 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 Maddie. Um, <laughs> and the funniest thing was, and and I've shared this on a couple episodes, but so Mitch was a one man show in Beloit. He didn't really have an assistant. He had a couple like game day staff guys, um, but they you'll f- come to find out that they're pretty much useless. Um, and so Mitch's wife goes into labor. Um, you know, during, like while the gates are open, but before first pitch. Okay. And so Mitch, of course, leaves as he as he should, right? And I'm and I'm in the press box, and I'm making my pregame announcements, and um, 
I'm looking at how the field is being lined and everything, and I'm just like, oh, shit, this this probably isn't good. Um, and, and, you know, like, the baselines were okay, um, and then it got to the batter's boxes. And, oh. and um, so they, you know, I don't even know what the technical term is, but it's a more or less a stencil, you know, and um, so it's it's a rectangle, and um, and that's what you use to line the batter's boxes with. Well, so there's two guys doing it, and the on the left hand side they go on the inside of the stencil, and on the others on the right hand side they go on the outside. So these batter's boxes are completely different sizes. <laughs> Good. And the manager, like, it, you know, first pitch is about ready to start. Like, we just played the national anthem. And, I was, and like, I think it was in May. Um, so there wasn't a ton of people there. Um, and so I could hear what was going on on the field. And, you know, you can tell by hand motions and everything like that. And um, the manager, the so the umpires call both of the managers out to home plate. And they're like, what are we going to do about this? Like, the head groundskeeper is gone, like, his wife's having a baby, um, and the batter's boxes look like this. And our manager at the time, um, Fran Reardon, who's now, he last time I knew, he was the manager for AAA Las Vegas Aviators. Um, he, he said, like, just kick dirt over it. After about three batters, they're going to be gone anyways. And so that's exactly what they did. And they started the game, so. And that is why Beloit is going to an all-turf field at the new stadium. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the managers box to stay uniform with an all-turf field, right? That's, that's true. That's true. So tell me more about the intern Olympics. Oh, man, yeah. So this was, uh, so in Fort Wayne, we did an intern Olympics. I, I competed in it. I got knocked out in, like, the first round. There's a video of it somewhere on YouTube. I did a dizzy bat race. I did all right in that, and then I lost to a much faster person in a bungee battle, and that, and that was my my time in uh, intern Olympics. Um, so when and we did that during a game, all the interns competed on like a Tuesday night and between inning promotions. And so when I got to West Michigan, I was like, "This is such a cool idea. We should try to do this for our interns." And my first year in 2015, I started in like March, and I was like. I, I didn't want to speak up and say something. So 2016, I've been there for a little bit. I talked to our promo manager. I'm like, hey, man, can we make this work during a game? Can we, like, figure out a game that we can do this with our interns? I think it'd be a really cool thing to do. I think the fans would really dig it. And he said, I'll do you one better. We shut the office down, and we just make it a party. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. So <laughs> we get a few of us on staff together that can – kind of throw this all together. We had a couple of girls on our staff that are very organized, very creative. Um, some of the smartest people I've ever met on, you know, in, in the industry. And then it was me and our promo manager uh, at the time. His name was Matt Hoffman. So two guys that can get off track very easily, mm-hmm. but can be very eccentric with ideas. The girls kept us on track. And then we brought in HR because you have to. Right. Um, so we're, we're planning this whole thing out. We're coming up with ideas of like, how can we build this together? What can we do? You know, so we did, like, we came up with, like, they got to do ribbon twirling. That's, like, their first contest. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to pick a song for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, one kid, his last name was Man. We made him dance to Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain. Nice. They're doing ribbon dancing. They're dancing around. The second one was, like, all right, that was, you know, some 
some you know slow moving skill. Now let's do like a Jeopardy style trivia game of do you know the ballpark? Asking random questions. What's the speed limit at our stadium? What <laughs> is you know how many elevators are there? Random things like that. that yeah. The ops intern might know one of them. The ticket intern might know one. The grounds intern is going to know what kind of grass we have. So it's all working towards different people and trying mm-hmm. to help them out. So that was one of the games. Uh, the one we were most proud of and the one that still gets brought up to me the most because this was my idea and things went south rather quickly, uh, at least in the first year. You're familiar with the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. you got to kill everyone and win. Yep. You can't do that with interns. We were, we were told that interns doing that is a horrible thing to do. Um, Man. But you're also, I'm assuming, being a millennial, being, being the age that you are, you played Mario Kart and you played the battle where you have the balloons on the back and you got to pop balloons. Yeah, yeah. So we combined the two of those. Oh, nice. We, we built this ring out on the field. We put obstacles in it. We put, like, parking cones. We put trash barrels. We put inflatables. We put the mascot suits to make this big obstacle course out in center field. And then we put a bunch of random weapons in the middle and we tied three balloons to the interns and they had to try to pop every other interns balloons. Last one with a balloon standing wins. Simple. Okay. I like it. My idea was, Oh, well we have, you know, when I pop balloons, I use a pen. I just use like a normal, like big ink pen. Yeah. Put one of those in there. And one girl got way too serious and was holding it like a shank, like she's like she's ready to take out a prison guard, and she's running around with it. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like I had to stop the game for a minute. I had to go out there. I was like, give me, give me that. Get any other thing you want. Yeah. So as we went into year two of, of Inter Olympics, we changed it to little foam darts with uh, with like sandpaper on the edge of them because those, those pop the balloons a little bit easier. But. It was something that every staff member loved. We ended up whittling down to, you know, we went from eight interns to four to two, and then we crowned a champion, and we did all these grand challenges that they had to do. Uh, it got to the point where staff members were betting on which intern they thought was going to win. People were throwing out betting lines. Uh, we, nice. We cooked up, you know, burgers and brats and dogs and mac and cheese and all this stuff beforehand, had a few beers, and then had coolers full of beer down on the field. Um, had a bunch of water down there too because every year we did Inter Olympics it seemed like it was going to happen on like a 95 degree day in the middle sure. of July right. um, but it, it was awesome man it was one of the coolest things and when I talked to like past interns we had they still say that was probably one of the favorite things they did as a part of the organization was doing Inter Olympics nice man yeah if I wish I still worked in baseball now so that we could do that <laughs> Any day, if anybody's listening and they, they want to know how we did it or they want to do something like it, feel free to reach out. I will send you the itinerary. I nice. still have it somewhere, I'm sure. Nice. Have you ever <laughs> fired an intern? No. I've never had to fire an intern, thankfully. Oh. Um, I've wanted to, but yeah. uh, more from just, you know, they sometimes don't put the work in, at least, or they slack off or they talk back or whatever but we, i've never fired an intern um you know they, as an intern manager for a couple of years it's like all right if they're not doing something right i gotta i gotta take responsibility for this i gotta show them the right way to do things yeah. um but sometimes you know you just get the interns that don't want to be there i think not in my department but in other departments we had an intern quit 
like halfway through the season one year because they were like, I reached my my hours requirement. I I don't want to do baseball anymore, and and they just up and left. So yeah, I've never had to do anything like that. I've usually been pretty lucky with uh, with the interns I've had under me for uh, for my time in baseball, which is good. Yeah, I had to. I had to. Well, I helped fire an intern um, in Beloit, which is which is saying something because we <laughs> we would take almost free labor, you know, at any point. But, Just be a warm body, man. That's yeah, all you need, right? <laughs> um, but um, this this one really tested everybody's patience. Um, she was she was from like upstate New York. Um, and she had some experience, um, and she, like, her resume was fantastic, um, and she actually had a ticket sales job for the Mets at the point, at that time, and, um, but she got, she got out to Beloit, and, um, it was just, you know, one thing after another, just, um, had trouble getting to work on time, um, you know, um, and then... Yeah, what else was it? It was, it was just like you had to like hold her hand through through absolutely everything. Um, so she was younger than me, of course. So I, and she was, you know, quote unquote, my intern. And so I, um, would have her assist with, um, social media duties because sometimes um, during the games, like. When I'm doing the PA announcing, it's a little bit difficult to run the Twitter and, you know, all that kind of stuff during the game. So um, I had her help with that. And there was at one point, she, you know, Twitter is is made to be on your, like, to be mobile, to be, like, on your phone and stuff. And she, I caught her, like, taking pictures. So she would t- take a laptop out to the stadium and turn it around so that the screen was facing the field and she was taking pictures that way. And I was like, why don't you just do it on your phone? And she's like, well, I like Twitter better on a computer. And I was like, that's not what it's made for. <laughs> and then um, she tweeted that I told her to like, tweet updates throughout the game, right? Like, you know, when, you know, runs are scored, you know, like any amazing plays happen, you know, that kind of stuff. She tweeted that one of the top prospects broke, she meant to say that he broke his bat, which there's no reason you should tweet that anyways. That happens about 10 times a game. Um, And she tweeted that he broke his back. And oh God, no. and I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have people from Oakland, you know, like <laughs> scream, you know, screaming down my neck, um, and and then like you know just writing a press release was just like agonizing, and um, she tweeted something from her personal account that she shouldn't have about the organization. That was the last straw. The team president and I, we you know called her in the office, let her go, was like. As soon as you can get out of here, that'd be that'd be great. Um, you know, come to find out later on, you know, I found out that she had relationships with players and you know all that stuff. And it was I when when she left, I actually wrote a very in depth long email to the head of her department where she got her degree, and I was just like, 
I can't believe you gave this person a degree. Like their write their writing skills, their social media skills are just like not up to par for for a minor league baseball team, which is you know saying something. But yeah, man, this sucks when that kind of stuff happens because like you want to give the you want to help the intern succeed. Yeah, and you want to do stuff, but sometimes they 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 force your hand and you got to do something, and it sucks that that has to happen. And you know. I don't know. That's just brutal. I hate hearing those kind of stories because I always want people to succeed in this industry, man. They want to have fun. And that's right. why they want to get into it. And you know, when, you, when you can't do it, it just it happens sometimes, I yep, guess. Yep, So um, what was the best and worst promotions that you've been a part of, Sam? All right. So best promotion uh coolest steam night i gotta just throw this out there i mean it was salute to cows night 2019 with the wisconsin timber rattlers when we became the otter tuggers yeah i mean from the amount of stuff that we sold to the people at the game i mean a a giant sellout crowd to PETA protesting outside of the stadium um all the way to you know we got on sports center and, uh, and and everything like that. It was just such a cool a cool night, an amazing experience to be a part of it. I got so much Undertuggers gear that I bought just because nice. I thought the name was funny, the hat was sweet, the shirts were hilarious with you know the the cow on it. I forgot when we ended up naming the cow or if we ended up naming the cow, but that was probably the coolest thing I think I've ever been a part of in working in minor league baseball. Nice. Um, you know, just with, again, you know, when we announced it, and I don't know if you've heard this story, but when we announced it, we didn't know how big it was going to be. We, we sent out the press release on a day that probably 90% of our staff was at our, our uh, golf outing, the company golf outing. Okay. With sponsors and players and everything like that. There were five of us in the office. And we put it out at 10 a.m. And within a half hour, it's like Deadspin, Barstool, ESPN, foul pole sports like every anybody who's anybody in the in the sports media world picked this up and we're getting calls and we're you know chris Marion is getting media inquiries just asking questions <laughs> you know our, our we sold out in like an hour or something like that it was crazy and we just you know for, for the rest of that day we just kept refreshing social media just seeing what was happening seeing what people were doing right and our poor merchandise intern who was trying to fulfill these orders was just because our, our merchandise manager was was at the golf outing. Yeah. He also helped run IT, so he was doing a lot of stuff out at the golf outing. And the intern was just in over his head, man. It was I felt so bad for him. The kid got thrown to the wolves, but that was <laughs> that was an awesome that was an awesome theme night. Um, another promotion I really enjoyed was uh, in West Michigan. We did a Michigan versus Michigan State rivalry night. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, with those two colleges being the, the big D one schools in the state. You know, it really, uh, it, it was a really cool kind of way that we did it where we had ticket fundraisers between both schools. Um, we actually worked with a charity from each one. Okay. The Chad Tuff, Tuff Foundation from Michigan, which is in honor of uh, former coach Lloyd Carr's grandson who, who passed away uh, from, a, from a battle with cancer. And then uh, we, we teamed up with, on the Michigan State side, the Michael Sadler Foundation. Michael Sadler is actually from Grand Rapids. Uh, he was a puncher at Michigan State. He he passed away in a car accident uh, a couple years before that. He actually was a, a kicker from Nebraska. I, I remember that. It was at a, a kicking camp in Wisconsin or something like that. So, um, 
we we teamed up with those two, did a bunch of different things. We had there's the uh, the stormtrooper from the University of Michigan. He's got a yeah. whole like U of M stormtrooper outfit. We had him out. Uh, the guy who went viral on social media doing the what they call the surrender cobra after uh, oh, yeah, after yeah. Michigan lost to Michigan State, fumbling the the punt or the the snap. The guy returned it for a touchdown to win, and we got that guy out at the ballpark just because. Um, and we ended up having, you know, a sellout crowd of over 9,000 people at the ballpark that night and raised a lot of money for the charity. So those two were both probably my favorites to be a part of and just see how everything came together. Uh, from the worst side, uh, I'm going to, again, shout out my buddy Matt Hoffman. Uh <laughs> If he ever listens to this, he might kill me. But uh, this was, and he, he will agree that this is one of the worst promotions he ever ran. Uh, Murder Mystery Night in, in West Michigan. Oh, uh, really? From an idea standpoint, I mean, again, Matt's very creative. He, he's not afraid to try something crazy. Came up with this Murder Mystery Night idea where we were going to have a, a murder mystery party style event go on in between innings throughout the game. And fans would guess who they thought the killer was and yeah. everything was going to lead up to this giant reveal at the end of the game. Everything's great on paper. Uh, we, we started out, it, and we probably didn't preface it enough, or the, the cast that was doing it didn't preface it enough, but when you get a microphone, you can't start it at a baseball game the same way you start at like a banquet hall when you're doing this for a company. Right. And they just hop up on the dugout top and just yell, there's been a murder! <laughs> And, and you, you just see fans just like bounce back and they're terrified. And I was like, what is happening here? And then their microphones were cutting out and wow. no one could follow the storyline. And they're like trying to get participation from the fans, like middle of the third uh. inning. They're like, who do you think did it? And the fans are just coming back with like a hot dog and a beer. Like, ah, I don't know. Wow. I, I, I haven't been paying attention. And so we get through this whole, this whole thing. And I mean, it's just a fiasco. Fans weren't getting it. Technical difficulties. Things were falling apart. It was it was absolutely hilarious for someone who didn't set this whole thing up. Yeah. And we're having a beer after the game, and Matt comes in, and he's just like, my career's over. This is the worst thing I've ever done. Uh, and luckily, he was able to bounce back with a lot of other amazing promotions, including Corgi Races, which is one of the coolest things I've oh, ever seen. That uh, sounds so fun. It was absolutely hilarious. But for that, that night in... Uh, and I think that was 2016, that was the worst promotion I'd ever seen. <laughs> it was brutal. Oh, man. That, that's funny. Some of them tank, and and some of them flourish. That's that's what it comes down to. I, I mean, it's the same thing as in baseball, man. You can't hit a home run every time up. You're going to strike out. And I told him, I was like, hey, man, it was, it was a really cool idea on paper. And it didn't work out, but now this is going to be a really funny story that you'll be able to tell for the rest of your career, and yeah. that I'll be able to tell on the Pulling Tart podcast one day. Yeah, um, one of the worst ones that that I did, and it just—I don't know—I we didn't have any money to put behind it or anything like that. But one of the interns um, had brought up to me that a former Beloit snapper had just won the the bachelorette Ooh. um uh josh murray was his name um I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say i know the name man i'm, I'm big into the bachelor world okay uh, that's that's what i get being a married man here so uh, yeah I, I definitely know the name josh murray a little i bit. think he was a first round draft pick by the brewers 
um, and his baseball career didn't pan out. I think he actually went to go play. Um, I want to. He went to go play college football at Georgia. His brother was the quarterback at the time. Oh, it would have been Aaron Murray, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. So this intern brought it up to me, and I was like, okay, like, we got to capitalize on this, you know? And um, we wrote a press release about it, which which got some national media attention, which was mm-hmm. great because Beloit, you know, we're working with a marketing budget that's pretty much negative dollars. Um, yep. And, um, but we came up with this idea, like, we were going to do, like, a rose giveaway to, like, the first, like... 25 women um and then uh we were going to do like you know bachelor themed um in between innings games um and we were going to we like had like a we put like josh murray's head like on on some like popsicle sticks and like hid them around the ballpark and like the the person that that got all five of them you know, want want something from the merchandise store, and it just like didn't like nobody was into it, and it, I was just like, well, at least we tried, you know, like it didn't it didn't cost us any money, it didn't, you know, we weren't out anything, but I mean, you got to you got to make a try, man. I'm I'm trying to figure out a way. I've been working on wanting to capitalize on like a, a bachelorette style promotion. I'm trying to figure out the coolest way to do it, but the idea I had would be like, you pick one girl, you pick like seven or eight guys and she goes on a different date every game every game uh, different that's pretty different cool part in the ballpark and like the ninth inning is like the rose ceremony whoever wins they go on like another date paid for by the team with like sponsors and stuff like that and i'm trying to put something together for it um but it's just it's so tough to come up with something like that and be able to vet the guys and make sure that they're not a bunch of weirdos you know, yeah the, that'll, be the, that'll be the toughest part to do something like that. right well, I guess, so, and here's, so, don't do this. Um, <laughs> so, again, working with negative marketing dollars in Beloit, pretty much, um, Tinder was, like, the biggest thing. Like, especially, you know, like, at the time, like, I was single, all my coworkers were single, all the interns were single, so we were just constantly, like, you know, talking about what was going on on Tinder, and one of the interns was like, we should make Snappy a Tinder account. Um, and the messages that we got were really weird. Um, and yep. and so we made Snappy, like, um, guys and girls, I guess, like, you know, that they could match with them. Um, and so that made it weird um so so yeah i mean like the the girls were actually like the nicest they would be like they're like oh i love you snappy like blah 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 it was the guys that would would send so maybe you have a girl that i guess what was so it's been a long time since i've been on um dating apps of course um but bumble was like the girl got to choose right so 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 maybe you set this girl up with a Bumble account, and she gets to choose all the guys. I mean... And, and invites them out to the game. Yeah. And then we, we kind of run that. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. See, it sucks that guys are such creeps, man. Yeah, you're right. A lot. Some of these guys are the worst, man. It, it's brutal. Yeah. I, I just... I, I feel for any woman out there dating right now, because 
I mean, it, it, it's just got to be awful. Yeah. My wife says all the time, she's like, I'm glad I don't have to date anymore. And I'm glad that I don't either. So, <laughs> I mean, I have no idea how I got my wife. I am still astounded by that, but I'm not, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to question anything. I know, right? I mean, I mean, I actually met my wife online, so. There you go, yeah. man. See, that works perfect. Yeah. I met mine at a bar. But, nice. You know, yeah, the old school way, brother. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you move, I guess, yeah. I mean, me moving around as much, and you moved around a lot too, so that's not really an excuse, but, um, you know, just working all the time and not being from there, I, that's kind of what I resorted to. Oh, absolutely. It's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, we met at a bar in Grand Rapids when I was back from Fort Wayne for like a weekend. I oh. came back and I met her and then we ended up doing long distance while I was still in Fort Wayne and then when I was in Peoria and then finally I moved back to Grand Rapids and we were able to do the whole we're in the same city thing, which was great. Right. And then uh, got married just before, you know, a few months before I took the job in Wisconsin. So was able to, to bring her with me, which, okay. was, which was nice. The long distance thing, credit to everyone doing it, man. But, man, it's rough. Yeah, I'm sure. I've never actually had to, to do it long term, at least. So yeah. It, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I was making five-hour drives back from Peoria, like, every other weekend, every third weekend to visit. and. Mm. I was getting sick of that. I put some miles on my old Toyota Camry, brother. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Good news is they run forever, so. Oh, man. Yeah, the stories that car has. I, I drove that thing through a giant puddle in Fort Wayne and almost destroyed it. Just everything stopped running on it, and it, they got it fixed up, and it still ran like a champ for like 212,000 miles before I got rid of it. So Wow. It's no incredible. free ads, but, but shout out to the Toyota Camry, or as I called it, the Samry. <laughs> Nice, nice. I like it. <laughs> uh, what's the craziest situation that's occurred during a game that you've had to assist with? I mean, I've seen power outages. Uh, we had in West Michigan, we had a car hit a hit a transformer out by the uh, out by the road, shut our power off for like an hour and a half. Wow. Our GM uh, was riding around in the back of our our team truck with a with a bullhorn yelling the power is out it will be back on please stay here don't go home whatever yeah uh in wisconsin we had a tornado and like a big storm go through town uh and we had to get a generator and we had to figure out we had to figure out how to sell tickets without power yeah so we were selling on our phone and then writing, like, on the actual ticketing app, on our phone, selling tickets, and then handwriting tickets for people. Just wow. handing them to them for a game on a, on a, I think it was on a Sunday. The Saturday game got canceled because the storm and everything was too bad. But uh, the craziest one, at least from a more humorous standpoint, was my intern year in Fort Wayne. Uh, we actually, we made Sports Centers not top ten for this. Uh <laughs> Pop fly down the right field line towards the, the home bullpen. Our home team was on the first base side. Mm-hmm. Um, pop fly down the line towards their bullpen. Second baseman's running out to go get it. Misses it. Steps right on a sprinkler head. Busts it. And just a geyser shoots up. Like 20 what? feet away. All the water pressure from that sprinkler head just shoots up. And perfect storm. It was on a, like a school day, a kid's day. So these kids are all down on this this picnic pavilion that we have that go right up against right up against the bullpen and kids are just going crazy. They're loving it. So I'm up top. I kind of had to oversee help oversee that picnic area at least for the first few innings of the game. 
So yeah. I'm trying to get people away. I'm like, hey, just come up here, get away from the water. Let's let people do their work. But it's it's on YouTube. It's crazy. Fort Wayne Tin Caps Geyser is all you got to search. And the thing just, I mean, it was crazy, man. He steps on the sprinkler head. Spike hits it perfectly. And instantly, water just shooting up in the air. And delayed us for about a half hour. But shout out to the bullpen that day. They got up. They put the tarp over the mound and the bullpen to make sure that the, the clay stayed safe. And they were loving it. They thought it was hilarious. And, uh, you know, it, it delayed a game, but it was an 11 a.m. start. So it's not like we were there too much later in, wow. in the evening. So that was nice. That That's so crazy. Man, um, so are you in charge of a lot of the um, scheduling of game day staff members? A little bit, yeah. Um, yeah I've kind of overseen box office managers that have done it, so I've, I've definitely had some experience with uh, with dealing with game day staff. Okay. Absolutely. What's the worst excuse a game day staff member has ever used to call out of work? Oh, man, this this is one that I, I was trying to think of a good one. Because, I mean, you, you get the ones where it's just, you know, oh, my car's not working or mm-hmm. I'm not feeling well. And, like, like, I've had it before where someone was like, I'm not feeling well. And then they were at the game as a fan. Oh, like, my gosh. There are a million places in town where you could have gone. This is the only place you shouldn't be right now. Um, but the worst one I heard was just, my mom won't let me come to work tonight. Just straight up, like, what? called in. Like, hey, what's going on, man? They're like, yeah, um, my mom my mom won't let me come to work tonight. Okay. All right, what's going on? Well, it's my grandma's birthday. Okay, you guys doing something for it? No, but, you know, I got to, you know, it's a family thing. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, then again, I don't know if that was true. I don't know what was going on, but come up with something better than my mom won't let me come yeah. in. You're a 20-year-old, man. Like, really? this person was 20 years old. They're like a sophomore in college. This is their summer job. And you're telling me that your mom won't let you come into work. Like, that is, that's weak. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. If you're 16 and your mom doesn't let you go, I might take that. Right. You know? But when you're an adult, you, you got to come up with something better. I mean, say that, like, just lie to me. Just a blatant lie. Yeah. Like, way out there. If it's funny enough, I might not care. I might think it's like, all right, whatever. You're, you're really trying to get out of this, man. We'll do fine without you. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, so you were also a, you're a snapbacker, um, as they, as they call him, uh, a listener of the snapback and interbrews pod, which I've had both Hunter and Austin on this podcast. Um, so we play nice well, with the them. crossover when you go on that one. Ooh, I, the, the I can't wait. Chopping at the bit for the crossover of, uh, pulling tarp and snapbacks and interbrews. I can't wait. That, that'll be one for the books for sure. Absolutely. Um, and we'll talk about it later, but um, this podcast has a has a playlist on Spotify as well, the Pulling Tarp podcast um, walk-up playlist. Um, mm-hmm. But what's it like being the godfather of the OSS playlist? The Oh the Shit o- Songs playlist. The OSS playlist or the Oh Shit Songs playlist. Uh, yeah, man, I mean, this, this, like their most recent episode, they kind of dubbed me as the, uh, the godfather of the playlist. And I was honored. I, to the point where I had to change it in my Twitter bio, man, I had to throw it in there. There you go. Um, no, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing honor. Uh, I, I can't believe that I was, I had this bestowed upon me, you know, <laughs> but truthfully, uh, this was a drunk idea that I had with, you know, they, they do their top fives on the podcast. Austin and Hunter do very creative ones and, and oh, yeah. I was at the bar 
with a buddy on like Halloween. I went down to Grand Rapids to visit him. Uh, I DM'd Austin. I was drunk, whole W H O L E at the bar. So instead of saying wow, so you get the gist of how much I had to drink at least yeah. at that point. Um, but when I go to bars, when you know bars are normal, and at least it was somewhat normal at this time, mm-hmm. um, I'm addicted to touch tunes, man. I will I will throw so much money at touch tunes. Yeah, it is it is dangerous. I'm. I don't even know the levels, but I'm like a headliner or something like that on there. I've played nice. way too many songs. I've spent way too much money on touch tunes in my life. <laughs> um, but I like to create a vibe at the bars. Yeah. I want it to be upbeat. I want it to be fun. And uh, so I put on actually the song that I, t- I tweeted my top five at the guys, and it's my number one. Uh, I put on A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> For whatever reason, man, it makes people go crazy. And when I hit play... Uh, you know, because I go play next. On, yeah. On that stuff, I don't mess around with getting in the queue. I'm bumping up to the top again. I throw too much money at it. I yeah. Too many tokens. Of course. Throw on, throw that song on, and I hear some dude from like four tables over just scream, "Oh shit!" and r- throw his mask on and run to the dance floor nice. and just start singing his heart out. And I'm like, and my buddy's like, "What was that?" I said, "Dude, that's like." this is like the best oh shit song ever he's like what's an oh shit song and i'm like hold on a minute and i had to send a message to austin right then i'm like you guys got to do this like what what are the songs that get people going mm-hmm. what gets them excited and i mean again godfather whatever they want to say i came up with the idea after having a few too many beers yeah they took it. it and ran with it like i thought it was going to be one quick like top five segment dunzo it would have been awesome and then they just kept going and going and adding songs and it's a collaborative playlist so people can add to it and just to see that like what you think is an oh shit song isn't what I think it is or yeah. what you know other people put on there so there, I mean there's all sorts of different songs on there for all different vibes but everyone gets it so it's it's, it's the coolest thing ever to have this I call it a movement <laughs> that it started from some random idea and seeing the way that Hunter and Austin could use their resources and their reach and get people excited and start building this thing with their creativity. I mean, it's, it's been awesome, man. I look at the, the OSS playlist, like, uh, like one of my babies. And, uh, you know, I think I had a small part in, in what they did and a small part of what they're doing uh, with that pod, but it's, it's awesome. It's cool to be a part of it. And every time, you know, I, I go to play it, I see new songs on there. I'm like, look at this, man. This is still going. Yeah. People are still doing it. I, I added a couple, um, you know, after a few drinks, of course. Um, I don't I don't even remember which ones I added on, but I was, you know, sitting here playing 2K and jamming out, and I was like, you know what, that's going on the playlist, that's going on the playlist, yeah. It's just one of the, you know, and I always look at it as like, what are you going to play to get people going on touch tunes? And like, my top played are always the same, uh, because I, I'll try to play them at every bar I can. I try to get people excited and, and try to make it fun, and the movement of the OSS playlist is really just blown up throughout the uh, the Snapbacker community, so it's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, um, they have a great podcast. Um, love it. Snapbacks and interviews. No free ads, but yet yeah, here we are. Uh, no free ad, but uh, we'll throw a free ad at them and, uh, and and subscribe to the OSS playlist. Yeah, for sure. Throw, throw some songs on there. Oh, we yeah. love listening to new stuff. Yep.
Um, we do have a couple listener questions. I uh, saw some on Twitter, man. If these are the ones that I saw, dear God, I got stories, but all right, let's yep, see what we got. Yep, yep. So, um, Chris <laughs> King, uh, with a couple of them. Ask, yeah. ask Sam about the time at the Whitecaps when we turned the water off before the winter and what situation he found himself in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Chris... Uh, not only a former co-worker at the Whitecaps, but I was a groomsman in his wedding, and he was a groomsman in mine, one of my best friends. Um, I'm sure he's going to listen to this, and he's going to listen this far just to hear this story again, even though he, he knows plenty of it. So um, as you work at a ballpark, there's a lot of bathrooms. There, yeah. There's a lot of places to go if you don't want to use the office bathroom for, uh, you know, let's just call it a number two. Yep. Um, you, you can go out into the stadium and our ballpark in West Michigan, uh, formerly fifth third ballpark, now LMCU ballpark, a lot of bathrooms, man. And, uh, apparently I forgot to read the email of the day that the water was going to be shut off to the majority of the stadium for the winter as we winterize the ballpark. So I go out, I'm like, I'm going to go into this main restroom on the first base side, go in there got my phone out, playing on Twitter, whatever, and uh, just, just kind of hanging out. And then I get the email from uh, our operations guy. He says, all right, all water to the stadium has now been shut off. Please do not use the restrooms. And it's like, and I, I am in the middle of it, man. Like I, it's not starting. It's not over. I am in the middle. And I get this email, and I panic. And I don't know what to do. And I, I'm reaching. I'm trying to flush the toilet. I'm trying to get it to go. And nothing happens. And I'm just freaking out. So I go find our facilities guy. I'm like, all right, man, hypothetically, if someone were to have been on the toilet when this email came out, like not saying it was me, but what would what would that person do? He's like, you gotta get a plunger and you gotta get a bucket full of water. And so I'm you know, dumping water, plunging, and I'm going and I'm gone from my desk for an hour. Yep. Just I, I was gonna be gone for like ten minutes. I'm gone for an hour trying to get this whole thing done. I come back to my desk, I'm sweaty, I'm freaking out, and I sit down, and Chris looks at me, he goes, where you been, man? Because he knew, I told him where I was going, I'm yeah. running to the bathroom, man. And I was like, nowhere, I'm fine, everything's fine. And I pulled him aside, I'm like, we don't tell anyone. This story goes to our graves. <laughs> it's you, me, and the ops guy, that's it. By the end of the day, the entire staff knew, we had a staff meeting like two days later, I had to tell everyone the story. This is, I don't know, a dozen times I've told it. Now I'm telling it on a podcast. Like, I don't I don't know where I went wrong, man. But uh, now, you know, even at, at our ballpark up here, uh, I have a sign on, on my door that says, Stadium Water Shut Off. People just put that there because they know. And it's... It's funny. It, it's, a, it's a funny story, and it's a lot funnier if it didn't happen to me. So don't feel, don't feel too bad. Because almost that same exact story happened to me as well. Thank you. Um, okay, good. Yeah, so um, in Beloit, we didn't really, like, the only other bathrooms that we could use were, like, outside in the stadium. Um, you know, we didn't have any any suites. We didn't have, you know, and, you know, we didn't have, um, you know, an upper level, like, where the, you know, where the press box was and stuff like that. It was... You know the clubhouse, which we which was attached to the same building that we had our offices in, so we never really turned the water off. Um, but so came to Delmarva, and it's a little bit, you know, more of a functioning operation. Where whereas you know 
They they have suites. They they have way more bathrooms than Beloit does, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, so I it was it was right after the season had ended, and I went to my normal spot, um, which I believe was a, was a suite at that point, and. Um, I get I get done with with my number two and uh, realize that it wouldn't it wouldn't flush and I was like what the hell and so I I go back down to to my desk to you know to go I was trying to find the the ops guy I think I think the ops guy had just left at that point so it was the groundskeeper filling in as the ops right. guy and um, I was looking for him and I and I my desk was near all the ticket sales guys. And I was like, hey, have you guys seen seen Tim here lately? And they're like, no. Um, he just sent us an email, though. And I was like, oh, what did the email say? And like, that he just shut off all the, all the water throughout the stadium. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. So, like, I went in and I was like, dude, like, I got back to my desk and, you know, realized that you had just sent the email. And I was like, what do I, what do, I do? And he And he was like, Yep, you you take a bucket full of water and you you fill it up and you you dump it in there until it automatically like flushes itself. Yep. And I was like, okay, so that's what I did. But here's the thing, though. So when at Delmarva, you know, there was one woman that worked there, and you know, of course, there's there's more stalls in the in the women's restroom. There's one actual toilet. For like fifteen guys, and then when when we have crews in there, like you know, you know, doing you know construction or whatever, you know, on a, any given day, there's one toilet for like twenty five guys. Yep. Like it's ridiculous. Like there were times, like you know, I'd I'd be at my desk and I'd be like, all right, I gotta take a number two. I go, there's somebody, somebody's legs, you know, hanging hanging out, and I'm like, okay. So I go back to my desk for 15 minutes. I come back, it's another person's set of legs, and I'm like, come on. Like there, there were times like where I seriously contemplated like driving down to the Royal Farms, like down the road, which is a gas yep. station, just to <laughs> use the bathroom. Like I, I just don't understand. Like we should leave at least a couple of options. Need something, man. Yeah, we, uh, this was, we just built our new offices in West Michigan when this happened. We had, like, we have a party deck up above our offices there. Mm-hmm. And I decided not to go use that one. I decided to go back and test out the ones on the concourse, and it was just an awful decision, man. It was, mm-hmm. it was so dumb. Yeah. Well, don't, don't feel too badly. You're not the only person that's done that. Um, Absolutely, man. And, yeah, and we're here on the Zoom. And I see your face as I'm telling that story, and I'm like, "This isn't the face of someone who's heard this story. Before. Like, <laughs> yeah. This, this is the face of someone who's hearing this for the first time. Like you knew, and I'm yep. like, All right, I might have a kindred spirit here, man. So that's, that's <laughs> yep, that's yeah, awesome. absolutely. And then Chris King also said, that's "Ask right. Sam about quote unquote punt pants." Yeah, so uh, you know how most jeans and khakis and stuff now have some give to them and some stretch Mm -hmm. um i had a pair of game day khakis back in this was probably 2016 didn't have a whole lot of give to them um we were getting ready for a football game we 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 turned our ballpark into in the football stadium uh for like three or four high school football games after the season okay um and we're getting ready and we, we everything was set up everything was ready to go 
And so we're out there throwing a football around, and someone's like, Sam, how far can you punt the ball? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Let me see if I can try. And I go to kick it, and I kick my leg back, and I hear a slight rip. And I'm like, I don't know what that was. And I go forward, and I kick the ball, and I look down, and the front of my pants is ripped from, like, hip to knee. And we're, like, 20 minutes from opening gates for this football game. And I just was like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. So I, like, I ripped off the the, uh, the quarter zip I had on. I tied it around my, my waist like it's a – it's an apron. Yeah. Um, and I go running up the concourse, and our team president, Scott Lane, sees me. He goes, why are you running? I said, I ripped my pants. I got to go home. And I hop in my car, and I drive home, which is like a 10-minute drive, get there, grab a new pair of pants, get back to the ballpark, and everyone knew. Everyone's laughing at me. And from then on, I'm like, I'm buying pants that have some form of give and some form of stretch. So like the next season, yep. I got my game day khakis, and they're stretchy, and I'm showing off, and I was, I was all proud. And Chris was like, oh, are those your punt pants? I'm like, more or less, yes. They're pants that I can now have some some movement in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just a giant rip in those pants. And, you know, when you get a good pair of game day khakis that are just so comfortable, you can't let them go until they tell you it's time. Right. That was my khakis telling me it was time to, mm. to hang them up. Man. <laughs> Man, that's that's a shame. Man. Ooh. Uh, so plug yourself a little bit. Where can the listeners find you on social media? Social media, Twitter, at S Connell, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-28. If you want some some random tweets and and random thoughts and some retweets. Uh, And then Instagram, it's at Wiley Connell, W-I-L-E-Y-C-O-N-N-E-L-L. Wiley is my middle name. Ooh. Uh, Figured to throw that out there. Very, very interesting middle name. Uh, My dad said it's after Wiley Coyote. My dad was a comedian for years, so we thought it was funny. That's um, pretty funny. So I, I thought it was a it was a cool way to go about it without just using my name. That was like freshman year of college or sophomore year of college. I made the Instagram, and yeah, I just haven't changed it. I just you know, it, it's how people can find find me if they want to. So nice. It's Connell twenty eight on Twitter at Wiley Connell on Instagram. If you want to find me on Facebook, I'm Sam Powell. So I just followed you on Instagram, you know, earlier this afternoon, and you are. A gigantic person. You're, yeah. How tall are you? Six six. Nice. I would kill. I would kill to be like <laughs> six foot. What are you? I, I'm like five eight on a good day. I would hey say. man, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with you. Everyone is, is, is a good height. Uh, it's probably a whole lot easier for you to find clothes than it is for me to find clothes. So. uh well, I'm, I <laughs> I'm, I'm a very, so, but like, I'm a stocky, like, short person, so like. Like a, like a solid five eight. Yeah, so, um, like, my pant size is like a 36 by 29, like, okay. <laughs> like, okay. it's a, it's, it's a strange size to try and find, um, but. That's like, you, a, that's like an online order. You yeah. Gotta, you gotta do that. I, I gotta do the same thing, but just for length. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you look, you know, from your, like your headshot, you look like, um, Carson Wentz. I, I can see that. Yeah. Especially, you know, especially now I got the backwards hat on, I got the red beard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I can see that a little bit. Um, I can't throw a football nearly as well as he can. I don't know if he can throw a football as well as he used to, oh, but, uh, I, yeah. I, 
I, I have gotten that from a few people before. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> for thinking that I look like a, a millionaire quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'm surprised you didn't play basketball rather than baseball. I played basketball growing up all the way through high school. I had chances to play at a couple different schools. I just, by the end of every basketball season, I was just sick of it. Yeah. I, I hated running suicides. I hated doing all that crap. Um, I loved playing. Yeah, I still love playing. If I can go play pickup or do something like that, my knees aren't what they used to be. Um, I think I can still dunk. I haven't Ooh. tried in a while, but uh, I used to be able to do it. I'm the only two-time dunk champion at West Catholic High School. Nice. Uh, when we would do that, I was like one of three guys that could dunk, so that was all I had going for me. Um, used to have a mean 15-foot jump shot. Anything beyond that, no chance, but I was all right. But I just I got sick of basketball. You know, I'd always just look ahead to baseball season. It's the, the cliche I used it to stay in shape. Um, and really I did it cause I thought I had to being tall growing up. Yeah. Not like, oh, right. I play basketball. Like if men's volleyball would have been a bigger thing in Michigan, I would have played volleyball. I think okay. it's such a cooler sport. It's so much more entertaining from, and it, and it had so many more of the skill sets that I used as a pitcher with using my arm and everything like that. Sure. So I would have loved to play volleyball. I ended up being a student manager for the, uh, the women's volleyball team okay. in college my freshman year and got to practice a little. I was terrible, but. I love the game. It's a, yeah. it's a lot of fun. I I loved playing basketball, even though I was short. Um, you know, didn't make the varsity team at all, but like I played a lot of pickup, um, you know, and church basketball leagues and that kind oh, yeah. of stuff. Um, but yeah, um, love love playing basketball. And then I I played soccer growing up as well. There you um, go, man. But, I wasn't even the tallest one on my high school team. We had a kid in my grade who was six eight. Wow. So our starting lineup was him at 6'8", me at 6'6", and another kid at 6'4", and then wow. two guards at like 5'10", and 5'8". Um, nice. And for whatever reason, we weren't good. Uh, <laughs> we we should have won a lot of games, and our coaches would have that lineup in there for a while, then they'd pull it, and they'd switch things around. But when that lineup was in there, like we'd get rebounds, and yeah, we'd top over teams. And we, were, we all played together from the time we were freshmen moving on up, so like – we're that tall going into schools as a freshman looking like the varsity team rolling in and then our varsity team rolls in and they're shorter than the freshman team. It was, it was a really weird thing with my school, but uh, yeah, yeah, a lot lot of height uh, in the class of 2009 at West Catholic for some reason. Wow. Interesting. (laughs) Um, so you've listened to a couple episodes I know. Um, and I end with the same question. Yep. And this will be on the Pulling Tart Podcast walk-up playlist on Spotify. Check it out. Subscribe. Uh, what has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song in your baseball career, and whose was it? Absolutely. So I, I've been thinking about this one. I've right. been listening to a few of the episodes. No one I'm coming on. I was like, all right, I've been, I've been trying to think back. Um, from a Major League Baseball standpoint, being a Cubs fan, Starlin Castro used to have one of the coolest walk-up songs, and it's Intoxicated by Martin Solveig. And like the whole, there's a part where it just, and there's just beat, and everyone in the stadium starts clapping. There's a, a gif of, uh, or jif, however you say it, I say gif, yeah. of, uh, of Jason Mott when he was playing for the, the Cubs for like in 2015, standing on the top dugout step, just clapping, going crazy. And that song got the, the stadium going nuts. So from a big league standpoint, from like a, a watching a game standpoint, I love that. Um, but for the minor leagues, 
it belongs to, and it's it, this song is a little bit off track from what you'd hear from most walk-up songs. You know, most of them are upbeat, whether it's Latin music, rap music, hard rock. Uh, this song is Loud and Heavy by Cody Jenks. Okay. Brock Deathridge, who was a, a mid-year draft pick that came to join us in West Michigan in 2000, I think, 18. His last name is spelled Death. The letter E and then Rage. Whoa. Like just okay. just this badass sounding last name. This dude is fast. I think he came out of Louisville. Just a stud player. And he walks up and it's the beginning of the song is like a cappella and it's just this deep, raspy country voice singing. And then it goes into the music a little bit. But he would just walk up and it's just this deep voice, this very ominous feel, and I remember like his first game was like a Friday night in like July and he comes walking up in some big spot and I'm out on the concourse and I hear that and I got chills. I'm like, this is not a normal walk-up song. Like even when someone uses country music, this isn't the country music yeah, they use. Right. But it was awesome. All right. And plus with the last name of last name of Deathridge, the nickname of Death Rage. Yeah. I mean, it, it all just tied together. So those are uh, those are my two favorites. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for taking the time out of your evening to come on to the Pulling Tart podcast. Really appreciate it, and you reaching out, of course. Um, and, yeah, hopefully we can do this again sometime, and we'll definitely stay in touch for sure. Absolutely, man. Maybe you know, maybe at some point we can get you up here to Michigan. We'll, uh, we'll record a live version with some beers or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that would be I appreciate you having me awesome. on, man. This was a blast. Yeah, man, that would be awesome. Well, Thanks again. Under heavy rain, thin line between joy and pain. It's a long, strange trip. It's all insane. You ain't never gonna be the same. Living life through the night, thin line of a lightning strike. Sometimes the only light when the moon is tucked away, pistons pumping, minds are racing. It's hard to sleep, man, when I'm shaking. Bad news surrounds me. It's always found me. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stove Leg Media. Make sure you check out our page at StoveLeg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.